to you, O Lord. Our gospel this morning comes from Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 9, and can be found on page 1567 in your pew Bible. Mark records this. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Now Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, and they were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared, and it covered them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. And suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except for Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. I heard some people praying with me. Thank you. So, the account of the transfiguration of our Lord, it is, does a really nice job of bringing an end to the season of Epiphany and preparing us for the season of Lent. The season of Epiphany is a time of the revelation of Jesus unto the world. And the season of Lent is a time of repentance as we prepare to consider the events that surrounded the suffering, the death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The transfiguration is a remarkable epiphany of both God the Son and God the Father. And at the same time, the transfiguration points forward to the salvation that Jesus will earn for us on the cross. Now the Lord invited Peter, James, and John to a secluded place on a high mountain. And when they arrived, Jesus changed his appearance. We read that his clothing became radiant, intensely white, as that no one on earth could ever bleach them. Then Moses and Elijah showed up. Now, neither Mark nor the other evangelists tell us exactly why did Moses and Elijah show up. It is perhaps that 
uh, because, my, because Moses and Elijah were such powerful figures in the Old Testament that the first century Christians did not need an explanation of why the representation of the law and the representation of the prophets showed up with the gospel. But by the time that Moses and Elijah showed up, Peter, <laughs> Peter's in shock. He's in awe. And one of the symptoms of Peter in shock and in awe is that he usually manages to put his foot in his mouth. And this time is absolutely no exception. He very ably demonstrates that he does not understand when he says, Rabbi, it's a good thing that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And later on, when Peter told this story to Mark for him to record, he himself admitted that he didn't know what he was saying. For Mark wrote, Peter did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Now the first problem is that Peter wanted to make three tents. He was basically saying that Jesus, Moses, and Elijah were equals. Okay, so we all have... Uh, a healthy deal and a healthy amount of respect for Moses and Elijah and the work that God did through these men, but they are not God. Only Jesus is God. And as great as Moses and Elijah were, they were still sinners. Jesus is sinless. And even though Moses and Elijah are important, they, like John the Baptist, are not even worthy to untie Jesus' sandals. One also gets the impression that Peter was thinking in terms of staying up on that mountain forever. We read that now Jesus had already begun in Mark 8, Mark 8 verse 31. He begun to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, he would rise again. And so we notice, once again, the disciples didn't understand what Jesus was telling them. That it made way more sense to Peter to stay up on that mountain with Moses and Elijah. And in his ignorance, Peter is still trying. He's still trying to deny the cross to Jesus. And we, like Peter, we often look to the demonstration of Christ's power as the greatest expression of his glory. We get overwhelmed by the wow factor the factor of his miracles and his radiance on the mountain of transfiguration. We rightful, rightfully praise him for healing the sick, for driving out demons, raising the dead, and, and so forth. And as wonderfully mysterious as these historical accounts were then, and they are now, these are not the ultimate expression of his glory. 
Now, if Jesus were only a miracle worker and a bright light on a mountain, we would all be in big trouble. That's all that he was. The presence of God in all of his power is a terrifying thing. The first thing that God's presence does is that it makes us aware of our utterly, utter depravity in his presence. We are sinners, and we deserve the punishment of his wrath. And his power demonstrates that there is nothing, nothing that we can do to stop that punishment from crushing us. And if all that we have is God in his power, then we are doomed. But the greatest glory to God, the greatest glory of God, is not in his power. It is in his weakness of the cross. And the transfiguration points us to the cross. In fact, it is the goal of all the epiphanies of Jesus to point us to the glory of the cross. You see this? It doesn't mean a whole lot when an ordinary man dies on a cross. In fact, the Roman, Roman government crucified thousands and thousands of ordinary men. Did you know that one time, a group of pirates, they kidnapped one of the Caesars. It's actually Julius. They kidnapped him, and when the Roman army rescued that Caesar, they crucified hundreds of pirates in one day. The crucifixion of an ordinary man means nothing. The epiphanies of Jesus Christ tell us that this is no ordinary man, that this is a man who has the authority to command the wind and the waves, that this is a man who has the authority to heal diseases, to cast out demons, to raise the dead. The epiphanies of Jesus Christ teach us that he is not only man, but he is also God. The Epiphany season teaches us that when the soldiers crucified Jesus, they were not just nailing a man to the cross, but they were also nailing God to the cross. And when Jesus suffered on the cross, both God and man suffered. And when Jesus died on the cross, both God and man died. And when God and man died in the person of Jesus Christ, we were set free. We were set free from the punishment from the shame, from the guilt of our sin. We were set free because with that death, Jesus made us his brothers and sisters. He made 
us, children of the Heavenly Father. He restored our relationship with God. The season of Epiphany, it helps us to see that the true glory of God is the cross. Peter, James, and John did not understand this until they saw it with their own eyes. That is one of the reasons that Peter put his foot in his mouth so often he couldn't see. And while Peter was busy talking, God the Father revealed himself as well. We read that a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, and it said, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. God the Father, he identified Jesus as God the Son. And then he told the disciples to listen to him. For the words in the law of Moses and all the words of the prophets ultimately have their source in Jesus Christ, who is the Word of God in the flesh. So when he says he is going to Jerusalem to suffer and die, listen to him. And when he says that he will rise on the third day, listen to him. And when he says that he does this all for you, listen to him. Now Peter, James, and John still didn't get it. And when they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Jesus had to silence them because they did not understand. The day would come when they would understand. That day would come after they saw soldiers arrest Jesus and lead him away. That day would come after they ran away and they abandoned him. That day when they would understand would come after they knew he was dead. That day would come when they were locked behind closed doors because they thought they were next on the to-do list of the Jewish authorities. That day came when Jesus stood in the middle of his little band of terrified followers and he announced, Peace be with you. And when Jesus showed them that he was back from the dead, then they began to understand. Jesus had conquered sin. He had conquered death and the power of the devil. He had earned forgiveness, life, and salvation for all people. And his resurrection it meant that all the promises that he made come true. 
The season of Epiphany is about the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that revelation teaches us that Jesus is both God and man. Epiphany prepares us for the glory of the cross, the place where God-man, Christ Jesus, fought for us, and he won the victory, the victory that gives us true life with him forever. In the name of Jesus, amen.